powerful promises from God. And I felt very inspired to teach on this because of the marvelous promises that God has given us who walk with God and serve him. Uh, the world does not have the promises like we have in serving God, walking with him. And God has given us some powerful promises, and I want to talk to you about it here this morning from the word of the Lord. I'm going to start with number one, and uh, this is in God's promises of the necessities of life. That's the basic things that we need in life. God has promised those to us. And I'm going to have you turn with us to Matthew 5 and uh, verse 31. Now, if you'll notice here that I usually give multiple scriptures, at least two or three, with just about every thought, because the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And I have found that every place that God has uh, established a truth, that he confirms it with more than one scripture. He does. So I'm reading here from Matthew chapter uh, 6 and verse 31. And uh, this is concerning God's promises to give us the necessities of life. Look at this very closely here. Look what Jesus says here to, uh, to the disciples and those that were with him in his time. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? After all these things that the Gentiles seek. Now, we're Gentiles, but we're saved Gentiles, therefore we're the people of God. So in the last days, there is Jews, Gentiles, and the Church of God. The Bible even refers to it in those three categories. So in this day and age that we're living today, uh, Gentiles would not apply to us, but they apply to the world that's without God. All, right, but all these things do the Gentiles seek. In other words, this is what they went after all the time. This is all they knew to go after. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Even going to verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, if you've got a pen and underline that phrase, and all these things shall be added unto you. This is God's promise that he'll never let you go hungry. He'll never let you go without. He's not going to forsake you. But he's with us if we will seek his face. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Then all these other things will be added unto us. But see, that's not the way the world thinks. The world thinks, seek after all the material things. Try to get wealth, try to get money, try to get uh, a home, try to get cars, try to get material things. But the Lord says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these things shall be added unto us. Now, this is the word of God, and it's the promise of God that he has given us. Now, I want to read in Psalms 9, 8, a verse of scripture that substantiates this truth. And it simply says this, this is nine, chapter 9, verse 10 of Psalms. And it says, and they that know thy name, that's us. They that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. So this is a powerful verse. God has promised that he'd never leave us nor forsake us. 
that has given us all these promises. And then I'm going to go to Hebrews 13, 5. And I want to read this one other verse in your, to you here in regard to the necessities of life that God has promised that he'd never leave us on. Look at verse 13, 5. Let your conversations be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So here's three powerful verses. And there are others. I just picked out three of them here. That says that the Lord will never leave us, never forsake us. So anytime the enemy comes around and whispers in your ear and said, oh, you're not going to make it. You're going to starve to death. You don't, you know, you're going to go under. You're going to blah, blah, blah. You just say, get behind me, Satan. The Lord has promised. God has promised it. It's in his word. And I believe his promises. That's what we call faith, believing the Lord's word. That's faith. And so I exercise faith in God's word. And I believe the things that he has said. Now, I want you to go with me to number two here. Number two, I'm moving very quickly here so that we can have time to cover all these. The promise of God accompanying evangelism. This is interesting. God has given us promises that if we would seek the lost, that if we would go out and win people to God, he has given us promises to go with that. And if you have set your hat to say, I'm going to win people to the Lord, I'm going to be a witness in the name of Jesus. I'm going to try to help people find God, whether it be my family members or whether it be my neighbors, whether it be my co-workers or just people that I try to go out here and meet in Walmart or knock on a door and invite them to church. Whatever you do to try to win somebody to the Lord, the Lord has promised that he would accompany us and give us his blessings and his promises in evangelism. Now, I want you to look at A here. A. That he would always be with us if we evangelist or if we're evangelistic or if we evangelize or if we go out and do soul winning work. He would always be with us. And I want you to look with me here in the scriptures in Matthew twenty eight eighteen. This is a very common verse of scripture, but look at it again. It's very plain. 18, this is when Jesus, just before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Here's what he says in verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, if all power is given unto Jesus, there's no other power for anybody else. So the Father and the Son has to be the same for all power to be unto Jesus. You know, got, the, got the message? Because the next verse says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. This is evangelism now baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In the name, there's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12. Let me just throw that in for what it's worth. Acts 4.12. I know I'm off a chart here, but uh, anyhow, it just speaks about the name. There's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. But anyhow, in the name of Jesus is all name. There it is. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. Now we'll go back to Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen. I'm sorry, guys. I know I put you guys through the test up there. Now, going to verse 19, I'm going to read this again. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Now look at verse 20. This is where we're going. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo... I am with you always. 
Look at that. And if you've got your Bible, underline that. I am with you always. The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. If you're going to be a soul winner and you're going to be interested in people getting saved and helping people to find God, God will always be with you. Oh, I know the enemy come around and say, you say, get behind me, devil. I know what the word says. Jesus said, I'm with you always. He's with me. I don't care if I am going through a trial or test. I know and he's going to be with me. I've been there. I've been some places. I've been there. I said, Lord, it's the end of the rope. I don't know where to go from here. It's, it's the end. It's all over with. I just, they, they pull my, they pull my curtain. They pull my, they saw, I don't know what I'm going to do. Bury my head in the carpet and the floor and get on my knees on the floor in the middle of my living room and pray and seek God. And the Lord just come over me, praise the Lord, with a beautiful spirit and let me know he's still with me. I haven't left you. Things are going to happen and things did happen. Doors opened that I didn't open. They just opened. How many know what I'm talking about? God is there and God will never fail us. So he said, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Even unto the end of the world. That's as far as it can go. I mean, that you can't go any further than that. So God has promised that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Now, I'll give you another verse of scripture here also found in Isaiah 9, 6. I like this one. Uh, this is power in his name that he would always be with us no matter where we went in all the world. Let me just say a word here before I go into Isaiah 9, 6. Uh, I remember Billy Cole, who was a well-known missionary and preacher in our early back years ago. Uh, he was uh, had a call to go to Thailand as a missionary. Never forget this story that he told one time in our church here. And uh, Billy Cole said he went to Thailand, got went to Bangkok, and uh, he got on a train, and everybody was Buddhist, Buddhist clothes, Buddhist women. Wearing Buddhist clothes, men wearing Buddhist clothes, everybody was Buddhist. He got on that train and he had to go up into the northwest part of the country where there was a small work up there that was Jesus' name, Holy Ghost filled people. And that's the only work that was in Thailand. He said, I got on that train and I started riding and I'd look out the window and I'd see all of these Buddhists, these Buddhists. It stopped, pick up people, let all people go a little further, go a little, kept traveling. And the further I went, the more depressed he said I got. And I got to saying to myself, there's no way God can work in all this, this country. There's so many Buddhists, so many people that don't know God and everything. And he got to that little small work up there in that little northwest section. And he preached a sermon to them one day. And the Lord gave a message and interpretation and said, I am going to bless this church. I'm going to bless your ministry here. I'm going to save souls. Blah, blah, blah. And the Lord spoke to them. And he said, all of a sudden, his faith was lifted and he began to see it happen. People began to get saved. People began to get healed. Those Buddhists began to turn to the Lord and give their heart to God. And he evangelized that country all over it because God was in it. And God will be in anything you do and don't ever you let the devil ever tempt you. Otherwise, All of our missionaries, when they go to these foreign countries, they got to learn a new language. They got to learn the custom. The merchants down in, in the Amazon in Brazil, up and down the Amazon, flying a plane, going to little villages where people 
were just heathen and all kinds of religions, paganism. And preaching the gospel, they had to believe. They had to say, God, I know that you're going to be with us. And the Lord, of course, gave down in Brazil, I understand, close to 100,000 converts. They eventually baptized in Jesus' name. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And there's a mighty church there in that age. And, and it goes on and on all around the world. But these missionaries, when they went there, they were all alone by themselves. And they had to learn a language. And they had to learn the customs of the people. It wasn't that easy. But God was with them. And folks, God will be with us in anything we do for the Lord. Every, anything God does. Now I'm going to read Isaiah 9, 6. Look at this. Because this is be here. That we could know the power of his name that is in, in, uh, in this evangelism. That God would give us the power of his name in evangelism. Now notice this 9.6. I'm just reading this because this gives us a promise about the name. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That's Jesus is prophesying about. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God, that's Jesus, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We know Jesus is the Prince of Peace, but it also identifies him as being the mighty God, the everlasting Father. The mighty God is the one who created all things. That is God as the creator of all things. Everlasting Father is that he has given life to everything. Everything that has life, God has given it. Well, I won't go any further. But let me just say this, that God has promised that he'd do all these things for us if we'd walk with him and serve him. And in Mark uh, 16, uh, Mark, uh, Mark 16, 15 and 17, look at these two verses here. This is similar to the one I just read to you in Matthew 28, 19, uh, 28, 18 and 19. Look at 15. And he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jumping down to verse 17, just to save time. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? Huh? Yeah. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He's saying here. And baptizing in the name of the Lord. the Lord And he says here, in my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. That's. Uh, glossolalia, that's uh, the Greek word for speaking in tongues, which means another language. So this simply means that tongues is language, speaking another language. And uh, glossolalia is speaking in another language. That's the, the Greek word it comes from. So I'm just pointing out to you here that the Lord has promised us that he would be with us. And as he said in Isaiah, said in Mark. And then Acts is an example of that. If you look at Acts 16, 16. I'm just giving you here some examples of where all of this is done. Look at 1616. Here is an example here where Paul was preaching and Luke is writing the book of Acts. He wrote the book of Acts and he refers to the activity as we and and us. Look at verse 16. It came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination. A devilish type spirit. Met us which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. And so this woman was following him around and saying all kind of things. Finally, verse 18. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, 
I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of out the same hour. In other words, Paul just rebuked the devil. I'm just telling you the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. And this happened over and over and over again. I don't have to read any more scriptures to you. But the name of Jesus is powerful. And that God has promised to give it to us in salvation. Uh, this is not in your notes here. But this is another scripture in Colossians uh, 3 and 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now, I'm just pointing out to you here all of these things that God has promised that he would do in his name. Praise the Lord. This is evangelism now. This is the promise of God through evangelism. He's promised to give us the power of his name. He also has promised us that he would give us his spirit. His spirit would be in us to help us. We need his spirit in us to help us to do the work of God to reach the world. Do you agree with me? We need his spirit. Praise the Lord. And this is what the Bible teaches about. I want you to go to John 14, 15 with me. John 14, 15. Uh, Let me find it myself here. Hang on. I'll get there in a second. All right. John 14 and 15. Look at this very closely here with us. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. Comforter. That he may abide with you forever. When you have the spirit of God and if you keep saved and walk with God and keep the faith in the Lord, that spirit will always be with you forever and ever because in eternity that spirit will be in us as well. Praise the Lord. It says that. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Notice that. The world cannot receive his spirit because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him. He's talking to his disciples here now. You know him. For he dwelleth with you. It's me. Me. The spirit is in me. And shall be in you. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful promise that the Lord gave. Amen. And and then verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So Jesus identified himself. Praise the Lord. As that spirit. And the spirit that was in Christ, praise the Lord, would be the same spirit that would be in us. And God has promised that he would give us his spirit. Praise the Lord. He'd give us his name. He'd always be with us in, in, in all the things that we do. And that he would give his spirit that would go with us. Now, I'm going to read a verse of scripture that you may have never seen before. And uh, we'll see. Uh, I want you to see what it says here. Uh, I want you to go to Acts chapter 2. <laughs> and I'm joking with you when I say that. This is Acts. I'm going to read Acts 2.38 to you. This is one of the most common scriptures of among us apostolics. And what happened was that Peter and the apostles and 120 of them were in the upper room praying for the Holy Ghost as Jesus had told them to do. And then the Holy Ghost came and fell. And when it came, they spoke with tongues. They spoke in different languages. And they were speaking in various languages. And, and uh, this is all recorded in the first part of the book of, of the second chapter of the book of Acts. And the multitude gathered together. It was on the day of Pentecost. It was a feast day. A lot of Jews were gathered together in Jerusalem at the time. And they began to hear all these people speaking in tongues. 
<coughs> and there were, they were from different countries, these Jews were. And there were there's 16 different countries that are named here. And they said that we do all, we hear them speaking in our languages, the wonderful works of God. We want to know what this is all about. These people are speaking in a language that they don't know. It was a language they didn't know. These are Galileans. How is it that they're speaking in these different languages all over the place? And they named 16 of them. We know what they're saying because us countries that a bunch of us are all out of. But these people are Galileans that are speaking in tongues, are speaking in this language. How do they know that? And then the Bible, <clears throat> verse 14 says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, And he began to preach to them about the Holy Ghost falling upon them. And he preaches unto them all about Jesus. Excuse me. <clears throat> verse 37. Everybody still with me? Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Not shall what shall we say, but what shall we do? They want to know what they have to do to receive the spirit that these people had received, were receiving because he had just told them this is the spirit of Christ that was upon them. So look at verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent. And this is what anyone has to do to receive the Holy Spirit. Repent. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now sins are not forgiven here. They are remitted. That means they're wiped away. It's one thing to have our sins forgiven like John the Baptist's baptism. That baptism. But this is, the, this is the remission of sins. Have it all taken away. For the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This promise is for you. Now look at the the verse 39. For the promise, that is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Ghost is spirit, same word, old English, new, modern day. For the promise is unto you and to your children. Praise the Lord. That's what he told this crowd. This promise is to you, to your children. Wow. And to all that are far off. I want you to look at the guy next to you and say, from Jerusalem, you are afar off. <laughs> Turn to one next to you and say, from Jerusalem, you are afar off. We're all afar off. You look on a map sometimes, we're a map. We're on the other side of the world from Jerusalem. Amen. So we're some of those people afar off. And the Lord has given us his spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful blessing that is. And that's what Paul was saying, uh, Peter was saying here. For the promises unto you, to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So these are promises of God that he would send his spirit upon us, that we could have his spirit. And then I'm going to read also over here in Acts chapter 19. And this is uh, where Paul went to to Ephesus, which is a city that is today in uh, western Turkey. I'm going to read the first verse and read this very quickly here. And it came to pass that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, certain disciples. He said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? In other words, it was expected of them that they did receive it. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe the Holy Spirit? And they said unto him, we have not so much heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said unto them, 
What then were you baptized? Wait a minute, he backed up. How were you baptized? And they said under John's baptism. Oh, I see. Paul said, bango, it, it registered with him. Yeah. Okay, now I know why they don't have the Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, John, and then said Paul, John barely baptized the baptism of repentance, saying unto them that they should believe on him which had come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul baptized them right then and there. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues. That's another language. And prophesied. Prophesied means they were, they declared the word of God with boldness and shouted it out. Prophesying is not necessarily foretelling the future. Uh, it was with the prophets in some cases. Sometimes it was just preaching. So I'm just pointing out to you here that we can have his spirit. Now, I'm going to move a little further here because I want to talk to you about the promises of God that accompany salvation. The promises of God that we have, this is what I've been talking about, is his promises to evangelize the world. The power that he's given us, his name, his power. The Holy Ghost will give us power to, to reach out to the sinners and help them to be saved. Everything. This promises accompanying salvation that God wants you to have inside of you. This is a promise of God now, folks. Now look at the first one here, A, the peace of God. The peace. God wants you to have his peace. Now I'm going to go to John 14, 15, if you'll go with me there. John 14, 15. Praise the Lord. I'm sorry, I just, I just did that. I wanted John 14, 27, I'm sorry. John 14, 27 is where we're going. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. This is the peace of God. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And the Lord says, I'm going to give you a peace. Now, let me just say this, that with that comes the peace of God. And God has promised us that with his spirit, he would give us his spirit, his wonderful. The peace of God will come with his presence and with his spirit. That's brought out here in 1427. Now, while you're still there, look in 1633. We're still in John. Look over the 16th uh Chapter and the 33rd verse. This is 16. This is talking about the peace of God. These things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. God wants you to have peace inside. He don't want you to be all troubled, worked up and all dithered and everything. But he wants to give you peace. And he has a peace, folks, to give us. His peace he can put inside of us. This all comes with serving God now. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So in the Lord, he has promised that he would give us his wonderful peace. The peace of God would come unto him, praise the Lord, by his power. Uh, and so I, And I want to go also to Acts 19. Uh, I'm going to start at Philippians 4, 7. Philippians 4, 7. Philippians 4, 7. All right. 
And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. The peace of God. So do you understand here how that the Lord wants you to have his peace? It's in his word. He wants us to have it. He's promised to give it to us. So if you don't have the peace of God, folks, pray and say, God, give me your peace that I can have the peace of God. And I have had the experience where that the peace of God would just come all over me just like this. Just come all from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. And I'd say, thank you, Jesus. And I would know everything's going to be all right because God's peace has come over me. Now, if you've never experienced that, you go through trials of tests and you can experience that. God has promised to give us his peace. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to go to be here, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord. Not only does he give us peace, but he gives us also his joy. And uh, I'm going to have you turn with us to, uh, to John 15, 11. John 15, 11. This is what it says here. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy might be full. The Lord wants us to have the joy of the Lord, that the joy of the Lord would be there. And uh, also in, uh, in 1624, 1624, whereunto have you asked nothing in my name? Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. I can remember when I was younger, there used to be a little simple song that about joy that they, they, sang, they sang. And here's how it goes. The joy of the Lord is my strength. 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 And that's it. <laughs> that's it. Praise the Lord. The joy of the Lord is just the joy of the Lord. And then you can change the word strength to anything. The Lord of the, the joy of the Lord is my hope. The Lord of the joy of the Lord is my hope. Anyhow, it's a little simple child song, but we used to sing that. Praise the Lord. Adults. Amen. The joy of the Lord. And let me just say, folks, that God can put a joy inside of you and a joy in your heart by the Holy Ghost, praise the Lord, that will give you his joy. And joy is simply another word, I think, for happiness. It give you a happiness on the inside. These are promises of God to the church, to God's people. Thank God for that. Praise the Lord. Promises of God to God's people. So he's promised to give us the joy. Now, I'm going to go to number C here. God's rest, God's rest. Now, one is peace, one is joy, and the other is rest. That God has promised to give us his rest. Look at Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. And uh, let me see if I can find the next place here. All right. Let me get to it. Yeah, here we go. All right. All right. Look at this very closely here. John eleven twenty eight and 29. Two verses here I want to read to you. Look at this very closely here. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. <clears throat> and notice the word all. It's everybody, folks. This invitation is to everybody. Anybody can come to the Lord. 
whether you're in the world or in the church. But this is what the Lord has promised to anybody who would come unto him and give your heart and life to him. And this is what he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, what is that rest? That rest is something that comes from God that I can't explain it. Now, I know a working man works hard with his hand at the end of the day. He can say, okay, I'm through working, and he can rest. I've been there. I've done labor work in my life. My family, my family and my grandfather and my uncle and my dad, uh, they were plasterers. You know, they plastered and everything, did houses, worked for years down in Miami in those hot sun stuccoing houses and plastering houses and things down there and so forth. There was all, I oodles of cousins that were in the business and everything. So I know what it's all about. I've been right there. And at the end of the day, you just say, oh, I'm so glad I can rest. But the Lord has given us a rest from troubles that we can have on the inside and give us a rest for the soul. Praise the Lord. So he says here in verse 29, take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. This is rest unto the souls, not the body now. Rest to the souls. Now, if a man's a working man, he can find rest at the end of the day for his labor. But if he is a a man that's got troubles in the soul and spirit, the Lord can give rest to the soul. These are promises of God that God has promised that we can have. Praise the Lord. And we can have rest to the souls. So he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this uh, 28 and 29th verse in chapter 11 of Matthew is to the whole, is to everybody. But the Lord has promised that he'd give it especially to his church and to his people because he's promised you can have that rest. Now, I'm going to go to the book of Hebrews because I want you to look at this closely with me. Book of Hebrews. Hebrews 4.1. Look at this closely. 4.2, I'm going to start. No, 1. I'm sorry. 4.1. Look at 4.1 of Hebrews. This is now talking to the church here. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. Now he's saying there's a promise to God's people of having a rest. You can be troubled about a lot of things, folks, but God can give you a rest on the inside. He can give you rest. I have actually and literally walked through the doors of not this church necessarily, but the church that we were in at the time. Walk through the doors of the church and be laden down with so many troubles and problems. Or maybe when I was not even a pastor, I was just a, a member of a church. And just be troubled about so many things. And walk down that altar, that altar call and stand at the altar. And lift my hands up to the Lord. And feel that rest come all over me. And not knowing how the problems were going to be solved. I didn't know how they were going to be problem, but I knew they were going to be okay because God had given me a rest in his spirit and in the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, it's there. It's there. Praise the Lord. And we can lift our hands and say, Jesus, give me your rest. 
because it's promised in the word of God. Your word says it. I believe it. Praise the Lord. So he says here that uh, being left us of entering to his red interviews. Look at verse three. For we which have res- which, which have believed, that's us, do enter into rest. And it's God's will that we all have that rest. I'm jumping down here to verse 9, 10, and 11. I'm going to read these three verses to you and wrap up the part here about the rest of God, God's rest. There remaineth, therefore, a rest to the people of God. You can have a rest in him. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. You can't do it all yourself. Let us labor, therefore. Look at the word labor. That's interesting. Let us, us, that's the church, labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same examples of unbelief. So I'm just pointing out to you here the promises of God. So when you feel like that you have gone the last mile and you feel like you can't go any further, just remember that God has a rest for the soul. Even when the troubles are all there, and I've experienced it, and I've I've seen God give me that rest, and my problems were still there, but I said, you know, I don't know how they're going to happen, but God's going to take care of them some way, or I'm going to see, I'm going to get through them, and God, praise the Lord, is going to, Take care of everything. And he has given me rest in the soul. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's just lift our hands and praise him together. Jesus, we love you so much, Lord. You have blessed your people in so many ways. We thank you, God, for truth. We thank you for spirit. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for your gospel. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the rest that you give the people of God, Lord, when we are troubled about things sometimes. We don't know what the answers are, but you give us a rest to the soul because you promise it in your word and we believe it, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, I'm going to read here from John 14.2. One more subject I'm going to look at. We're going to look at here the promises of Jesus' return. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible here about the coming of the Lord. I love it. This is John 14, and uh, I'm going to read here Jesus, uh, what he had to say here to his disciples. In my Father's house are many mansions. He's talking about heaven. If it were not so, I would have told you. If there's not mansions there, he'd have already told them there's no mansions over there. (laughs) But he didn't say that. He said, if there was no mansion, I would have told you. Praise the Lord. And then he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Isn't that interesting? Jesus is telling them, now I'm fixing to leave. I'm going to be out of here. But I'm going to go play, prepare a place for you. Look what he says here. Look at this closely. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, verse 3, and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Now, this is Jesus talking about his coming back for his church. Now, there's a lot of verses in the scripture that talks about the Lord coming back for his church, what we call the rapture of the church. But this is where Jesus said it so very plain to his disciples. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. 
I will come again. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. Isn't that beautiful? That the Lord is going to be with us. That wherever, praise the Lord, we, he is, we can be there with him. So he says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there ye may be also. Praise the Lord. And so the Lord is promising us here that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And then I'm going to read one last verse here to you. And this is where Jesus actually ascended up into heaven. This is Acts chapter 1. And he was on the Mount of Olives. He had walked through the valley of Kidron and talking to his disciples. And he had told, told them up here in the first part of the, the first verses of chapter 1 of Acts. Right on down through verse 8. He was saying, I want you to go back into Jerusalem and wait and pray and tarry until you receive the Holy Ghost. Which I've already read to you in chapter 2. But this is in chapter 1. So the Lord told them, go back and wait and then just tarry there. Now look at verse 9. This is what Jesus was talking about in John 14. John 14, when I go to prepare a place for you. And when Jesus had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. Jesus went up. While they were standing there, he just went up in their midst. He had risen from the dead, uh, risen from the dead on uh, the third day. And then he had been on the earth about 40 days. And that, and the day of Pentecost was approaching. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead. And then 40 days he was on earth. And then he was taken up. And he said, just before that, go into Jerusalem and tarry to you be endued for power. And on the day of Pentecost, that's fit, that word Pentecost means 50. And it means the Holy Ghost fell on that 50th day. That was another feast day of the Jews. So it was all tied together. You know, how Jesus was a fulfillment of all the Jewish holidays. And so, here in verse 9, look at this very close. That Jesus was taken up, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. He was gone. And while they looked up steadfastly, about like you and I look at some of these rockets that go off to the moon or wherever they go up in the, up in the sky, we'll look and look and look until you can't see it anymore. You see us smoking and you don't see anything. You ever been there? I've even looked at it at nighttime until you don't see nothing but a little light going. All right. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. If you've got your Bibles right in there, are angels. These were two angels. They were looking like this, looking like this. These were the disciples of Jesus. This was these 11 that were there looking, looking. All of a sudden, look down. There's two guys standing there in white apparel. And here's what they said to them. Which also said, look at verse 11. Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Praise the Lord. Jesus said it. The angels said it. The apostles said it. Jesus is coming back for his church. Aren't you glad for the hope that we have? We have a wonderful hope for all from the word of God. Don't let anything take this word out of your heart. Believe it with all of your heart. And there are many benefits God has given us to walk with him and serve him. Let's all of us stand together and just praise God. Let's lift our hands and thank him right now. God bless you. You've been a good audience here this morning. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We thank you with all of our heart. 
We praise you, God, for the privilege to know you, to serve you, to live for you, to serve you. Thank you for your word that you've given us, God, that we might trust in you and believe in you with everything from our heart and soul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.